morning, Arising Church. That's how I wanted to get started, right there. I can't tell you what a privilege it is to get to be here. It's been just a few months, right? Um, but it's fantastic. I'm going to uh, open again with a word of prayer, but uh, it's remarkable. Worshiping with you guys is remarkable. Take me a few minutes to get over this thing dangling in my face, but I will. Just give me a second. And um, just to worship with y'all, it's, uh, you know, been prayed. It's sacrificed to be here. Yeah, because everything's a bit of a sacrifice. It should be, right? But this is a treat. It really is a treat. I got to come on a two-day trip with my oldest daughter. Got to see family, friends, and, uh, and worship here with family and friends. It's remarkable. Uh, you guys have remarkable pastors. Uh, I'm so happy to call them my brothers and my co-laborers. And uh, I just pray in Jesus' name that his presence captivates us today. Just let him captivate our hearts. He's, he's worthy of it all. I'm going to open in prayer and um, we'll see where the Lord leads us. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we humbly bow ourselves before you. Lord, saying, take your word and wash over us. Father, we don't want to leave this room the same. And because of the power of your word, we're confident that no one will leave this room the same. So, Lord, in this moment, let us, Lord, unearth any hardened spots that may remain yet in our heart. Lord, any kind of, any kind of opposition that would mute our ears even just a little bit to the, the weight of what you're bringing every time you bring your word. Father, because we, wanna, we don't want to just make it. We want to abound. Lord, we want to be sons and daughters of the faith who tear down the high places. Lord, that we, we help you destroy the works of darkness. And we're not afraid of the principalities. Lord, we make them afraid of us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Father, I pray that you would anoint this service, Holy Ghost, that you would fall fresh just as you have already and take up full residence in this room. Saturate every facet of every heart that the, that the word would come forth clearly and that we would be transformed, made more like the king whom we want to love and serve and follow all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so I said, what an honor. I'm saying it again. What an honor. Uh, Submission Ministries is, uh, it's, it's so great being here worshiping because now I can stand in a rising church at, you know, uh, I don't even know what time it is because of the time change, but it's before noon right now, I would guess. And our church body is in a little basement in Virginia, worshiping their little hearts out, bringing the word uh, in Texas, in several different places, in Louisiana, in Indonesia, in India, um, in Peru, all over the place. And we're one voice with the, with 
the other bride of Christ that is out there that we just don't know yet. It's tough enough to keep contact with the ones we do know, right? Ben picks me up from the airport. There's no awkwardness. We're brothers. But I'm like, wow, I haven't got to talk to you in many, many, many months. Uh, just because, right? But we're family. And when I step in here and I, I see you guys, I just feel at home. So I arrive in here at like 8.30 yesterday morning. And um, uh, I pick up the Morrison's Jeep which is a fine automobile, by the way. And, uh, you know, Ben gives us a little time to ourselves, my daughter and I, just to gather our thoughts and uh, get some final notes uh, jotted down, uh, which always takes me a while. I'm still jotting right before I get up here. And uh, we sit at this little smoothie shop on one of the streets there in Crystal Lake, and uh, walking by is uh, Lily, pastor's daughter, and... Uh, yeah, there she is, Chelsea. And uh, we're just sitting there in a strange city, never expect to hear your voice. And Zeke, it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty awesome. We ride over to the Chick-fil-A. And I'm thinking, a rising church is everywhere. You know, and uh, it's so sweet, so sweet. And it's what we do when we remain humble and our motivation is to serve him. And when the motivation is to serve him, he gets his work done. And uh, I just think it's neat. That's the, you know, simplest word I could come up with. That I stopped at two places prior, uh, other than all of y'all's homes. And in both places, I ran into the arising church. Uh, that's pretty remarkable. Y'all go to Acts chapter 9 with me real quick. Um, uh, I know I should have gave more of a debriefing of submission ministries. You guys have been praying for us. We're seeing a lot of victory uh, with relation to spiritual growth and a lot of victory with relation to tangible things like roads getting approved and uh, buildings and things like that. I know y'all been praying for us and uh, Ben was telling me how much it encouraged you guys, uh, we were able to watch the Lord as you guys have got to watch years ago on behalf of this uh, building, but we got to watch the Lord move on the hearts of actual government officials. That's, that's pretty remarkable, right? So uh, let us not get in the boat and wonder where we're going to get our bread from. He just fed 5,000 people. Let's stand up with the faith to know what he did yesterday. He'll do it today and he's going to do it again tomorrow. We just got to remain faithful. A uh, lot of great things going on, and maybe as the Spirit shows me in the midst of the message, some testimonies will come out. But without further ado, let's get to the Word of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, uh, this is the conversion of Saul, um, the Apostle Paul. Remarkable, remarkable passage. Just to have the blinders open from our eyes. Is there anybody in here who can testify to the beauty of that? Uh, you're literally heading in a direction. It's like you wake up from a dream and he tells you to turn around because there's hope for you yet. That's the testimony of anyone who's experienced the redemption of the Lord. The redemption of the Lord is such as that. He buys us back. Uh, so, but I wanted to read something just to get to a, uh, a phrase, I guess it is, or a word, really, um, that's going to throw us in the direction of what the Lord's going to speak uh, today, um, 
I know bits and pieces of the season that you guys have been going through. I certainly try to log on and catch as much of the uh, messages as I can. I love the book of Nehemiah. So, uh, you know, I got to watch Pastor Massey up here throwing bananas at people. I thought if he can get by with that, surely I can do something. But uh, I listened to Pastor uh, Nick Slaughter um, the sermon from last week, and I loved it. I spoke about it uh, with a gentleman that I was meeting at all the way in Virginia. The word of the Lord goes forth. Um, so I, I will read uh, from starting at verse 1. Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone... Belonging to the way. Somebody say the way. the way. Okay, the way. If he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he would bring them how to Jerusalem? Bound or chained or shackled up, right? He was on a, a war path to annihilate the people of God, the Christians is the word we use. But before the word Christian, uh, how would you have been identified if somebody would have came into your house? They followed the way. Well, what is what is the way? They follow this, this Jesus who has come in the form of God, emptying himself, teaching the the patriarchs and the prophets proclaiming the word of the Lord from the beginning. And they're following his way. Or to make that fit into the uh, topic we're going to study. The pattern. The pattern if you will. The, the way. If I'm going to make a good cake. There's a pattern I have to follow. It's usually on the back of the box. But if you want to do a little bit better than that. You call somebody like Miss Brenda. She'll tell you how to make a real cake. And if you want to do it right, you follow the way. You follow the pattern, the example that is laid out before you. Uh, this scripture just hit me when we were worshiping. And I thought that I would uh, read it as a way to introduce to us a bit of the direction that we're going to go in. Just hear that word, the way. The way. Why would they have been called the way? Because they are walking in a way. They're talking in a way. They're praying in a way. They're acting in a way. Everything you could think of that encompasses our life. They're walking in that way. And so what else do you call somebody who walks in the way? Followers of the way. It's like when, when the, uh, the, the, the stuff falls out of heaven. They call it manna. Right? Because they go out and they say, what is it? And that means manna. Okay, and, and you see, this is, we follow Jesus. So how do we identify? What do we say? We follow the way. We follow the pattern that is laid out before us. The pattern that's laid out for us. It's not a systematic theology. It's not putting God in a box. But it is following and walking out what he says with the kind of diligence that knows that if we adhere to what he says, he pours out his favor. He pours out his blessings. He pours out his anointing. He, he is able to work and bring about his will because he's got people walking his way. And so I'll read this quickly, though we'll circle back around to it. But 
Does the enemy know more about the power of the pattern than you do? Because sometimes I wonder if he does. Because he doesn't hesitate to unleash all hell upon anyone or any organization, church, the bride, that tries and is willing to do it according to his pattern. There's no marriage that has tried to walk according to his pattern that doesn't have to fight against the fires of hell. There's no church that says we're going to walk according to the pattern that doesn't have to fight against all the powers of hell. Because the enemy knows what happens when the people who are called by his name humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways. He heals the land. But does he know about the pattern better than us? Does, is he more convinced that this pattern will bring revival than us? It certainly seems like it sometimes because he unleashes hell on us when we try to walk his way. But it's, hey, we're in Nehemiah, right, church? I'm with you. We're in Nehemiah. We are building. We are raising back up that standard. We are raising back up that pattern. We're putting them stones back in place. And the enemy's not going to scare us away. One of my favorite things from Nehemiah is I try to navigate through it. Um, somebody just tell me it's not going anywhere. Stop touching it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It feels like it's here. I hit the ground. Uh, thank you. You're there to encourage me, Stephen. I appreciate that about you. Um, you know, Nehemiah, it's in chapter six where, uh, you guys have gone through all of this. I know, but, uh, they're trying to trick Nehemiah. And what does he say? Does a man like me flee? Does a, does a person like me flee? You, have you ever had to dig deep and ask God to well that up within your gut with a shout? You know, when you're in a little bit of a fight, you don't, you don't have to get real loud because you know you're going to take care of business. When you're in a big old fight, when you're in a huge battle, you get a little louder. Come on, anybody ever, anybody ever been by someone's side who went through a tragedy? You heard how loud they wail and cry? Because the, 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 the deeper you get into the heart of the battle, the more that warrior actually does come out. So when I hear Nehemiah say this, I've, had it, I've said it at times where I'm in a little bit of a skirmish. We'll call it a skirmish because it's just something small, right? And I, I don't even know if that's accurate, but I like the word skirmish, so I say it. The skirmish is probably intense battle. So you're in a scuffle, right? You're in a scuffle, and you have to say, people like me don't flee. Say it back to me. Okay, that's how you say it in a scuffle. How do you say it when you're in the midst of an all-out war, where you actually wonder if you're going to make it? Where you actually think for a split second, if we're just being honest, that this one might whip me. This might whip me. Now, it won't in Jesus' name, but in the midst of the battle, whew, this one might whip me. How would you say it? People like me don't flee. People like me don't flee. Some, say it to me, a rising church. Like now, say it with a little bit of a snarl in your lip, <laughs> on your nose. People like me don't flee. 
Because what has to rise up within us as we're keeping a hold of the pattern is that we're not going anywhere and we're not backing down just because the world or the enemy says that you're going to chicken out or this weight is going to become too much or this is going to become too big of an impossibility. No, people like me don't flee. People like who? People that take their trust in the Lord. I say this, a couple of you have walked in and I've had the, uh, just the humble privilege of hearing you say, I'm, Casey here said, I'm reading your book. I was like, oh, that was a long time ago I wrote that. I really hope it's still good. Uh, you'll read in there about the, the, the fear that I had to overcome in my life. You say, oh, everybody's a little scared of something. But what about when you can't breathe, can't sleep, can't go anywhere kind of fear? That's demonic, right? And in that moment, you got to dig deep and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of nothing. Not afraid of nothing because of him, because of his presence, and because of the pattern that you see in his word. To everyone, every, every person, Israel, the patriarchs, the prophets, the whole nine yards, the disciples, those who committed to the pattern, those who committed to the way, they never, ever, ever, ever failed. They, they just, they were always victorious. But you say, well, I can show you times where they lost. You can't. You might interpret it that way, but that means you're just not getting good discernment on the scriptures. Our God doesn't fail. He does not ever, ever, ever fail. But we got to hold to his pattern. Now, that's where, that's where the responsibility comes in. There is a way in my, in my home, in my marriage... Okay, in my family, in, in the church, I have the privilege to pastor. There are, there are patterns that he's given me in his word that guarantee success, a, a victorious battle plan. And the enemy knows it often better than me because of the hell I can feel him unleash when you just try to step into that pattern. This church is running in the pattern that's laid out by the men of faith and women of faith and more importantly the God of the universe the God of the universe has given it to us he's given it to us in his word he's given it to us through his son and we're going to look at a little bit of that this morning the men and women who've walked it out would we dare to consider the the testimony that they have left for our benefit? And then would we dare to leave a testimony that could be for somebody else's uh, benefit? So the book of Nehemiah is encouragement. Do men of like me, uh, do, uh, do men or women like us flee? Uh, the correction. When it says he sees the condition of the wall and he weeps and prays and mourns for days. Oh, it's so convicting. It's so convicting. When you see the condition of your of your society, town, culture, whatever word fits there, is the first thing you think of, ha, they're just missing it. Or is the first thing you think of, brokenness. How could I pray? And see, my heart broken for their condition. And of course, the story of Nehemiah is a real faith stir. Let me tell you what I loved from Pastor Slaughter last week. I love the where he was discussing the, the facet of, we look 
to Nehemiah. We look to all of these books and, and they are great men and women that we look up to. Never belittling that fact. I, those are just like he said, all of my heroes are written about right here. All of them are written right here. And the, uh, the reality of how he can look at some of this stuff and think, how and why? And this is unbelievably profound what these men did. And he says, they were faithful. They picked up stones and they began to stack them. And when war came, they would pick up a sword, keep picking up stones and keep stacking them. And that faithfulness, that faithfulness that's so grounded in holding to what the Lord has shown us. We were talking about this with one of the guys' houses just last night at uh, Mr. and Ms. Hefner's house. Uh, ben and Jody. I didn't forget their first name. I just like to call it Mr. and Mrs. Hefner because they're, uh, they're much older than I. Okay? Um, so we were, uh, we're sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what... What is it that proves to result in something? It's just, you don't quit. You're just faithful. One stone to the next. One stone to the next. One stone to the next. And something will be built in Jesus' name. Can y'all say amen to that? Amen. Consistent, relentless faith. Let's go to Exodus chapter 8. And I'm going to start running in some scriptures. Um, uh, we were studying in our church body over the, last, uh, the course of the last six months. Uh, concerning covenant and my wife and I had the privilege to go with uh, the Morrisons and the pastor Treister from Victoria Texas and uh, pastor uh, Eric Stevens and all of our wives went and uh, it is I can't wait to hear what your pastors come back and start feeding this body with even more than they already do because uh, standing in that place and having the 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 scriptures and the reality of the vitality of the place of Israel in all of this is so beautiful. So we, we had been studying and then continued, of course, an even more in-depth study into covenant uh, based upon that trip. And that led us into uh, studying the tabernacle, something I know that you guys have done uh, several years back pretty in-depth. Uh, and so that has led us all through the book of Exodus, so on and so forth. I want us to go to Exodus chapter 8, uh, where the Lord was showing us a few things that I wanted, to, that I felt compelled to share with uh, our body today. Uh, remember the pattern, his way, the real war against that pattern that the Lord has laid out. He has a victorious battle plan. Rather, the Lord is the victorious battle plan, which is why Nehemiah faced such opposition. You think Israel, that little bitty plot of land, faces such opposition, contended over. Why? Christianity uh, fought over all of these things. Why? Because when you walk according to the pattern, it's not flesh versus blood. It's darkness versus light. So the battle becomes real simple. It's not one denomination against the other or one political party against the other or, or one country against the other. It's light versus darkness. And when we hold to the pattern, we're holding to a standard of light that will make hell try to unleash on us. He has no power. He will crumble and he will fall at the slightest attempt to come against our God. Uh, so in studying tabernacle, we're obviously looking at the word mishkan, uh, which means to dwell among. Or to be among. Anybody in here, you can raise your hands. I can't really see everybody uh, until I step right here. 
do you really, really love the fact that you have and I have the opportunity to serve and fall in love with a God who actually wants to be with you? So much so, his desire that when you read about the details of just beginning with the tabernacle, but it started way before then and continues way after then, all along the cry of his heart to want to be with you. He just wants to be with us. I mean, it's, a, it's this simple childlike principle. I want to be with you. I want to dwell among you. I want to walk with you. I want to be your dad. I mean, I don't want to get so far gone that I ever forget the simple beauty and reality of that. This is the God that we have the opportunity to serve and follow. I want to be with you. It's precious. No thing offers that to you and I. I want to be with you. I want to make my presence with you. I want to dwell among you. Man, it's beautiful. Somebody give me an amen to that. It's beautiful. He wants to dwell among us. Meaning it's his desire. I want to be there. What would you think this morning if I popped in? I was like, can we get this going? I got to get home. Pastor Nick's, both of them asked me to come. I'm here, whatever. Come on, let's get this done with. How would you feel? And the immediate response would be, you don't want to be here. What you should immediately do after that is kindly pray for me. <laughs> I want to be here. Doesn't that make a little bit of a difference? Well, if you invited somebody to your birthday party, they walked in, it's like, you're 30. You'd say, hey, you don't have to come. Hey. You didn't have to come. You, you, what do you do with someone that they show up and it's like, this, I'm cherishing that I get to be here with you. That makes all the difference. He, he wants to be with us, church. And it's a pattern he set way on back in the day. Something popped out to us in Exodus chapter 8 that's uh, really great. You can go to verse number uh, well, let's just go to 20 because there's a phrase in there I love. It's called, let my people go. The Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water and say this to him. Thus says the Lord. You got to love the things God asked Moses to do. Go to the biggest man in the city and you tell him this. Now, people like us don't flee. Come on. Let my people go so that they can serve me. For if you do not let my people go, I'm going to send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and the ground on which they will dwell. Essentially flies everywhere. Flies everywhere. Verse 22 is where this is coming out a little bit. On, on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living. No swarms of flies will be there. In order that 
you may know that I, the Lord, somebody finish that sentence, am in the midst of them. Okay? Now, if you take a little quick fun search through the scriptures, you'll find uh, many times where he's saying, uh, I'll do this and they will know that I am Lord. They will know it. They will know that I am Lord. You listen to me talk right now, okay? And my daughter's with me. We'll use her as an example. You'll find out really quick. You'll know quick. That's my girl. That's my daughter. You'll find out quickly. But how much difference does it feel to say, if she's in the midst of trouble, I bring her under my covering, and I say, you will know she's in my midst. Because they, they were seeing the glory and power of God on full display. And all of Egypt and all of Israel and everyone would know, yes, he is Lord. He is God and there is none like him. And then, in, and then in, right in this spot where he's making this uh, very precious distinction. And we're going to read about that word in just a second. Okay, but right in this place where he's making yet a distinction. Okay, he's saying, and you will know, Egypt will know. Yes, that I am Lord. Yes, that there is none like me. The magicians can't keep up with me. Nobody can do what I can do. And now you will know concerning the fact that I am Lord, that my relationship with these people is I am in their midst. And all of a sudden, this mighty and loving and powerful and all-knowing God who is uncomparable to anything says, I'm making this distinction, and you're going to know I'm, I'm not just God. I'm with them. I am with them. I am among them. I am in their midst. Come on, that's got to fire somebody up. He wants to be in our midst. He wants to be among us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The next word that we came to and looking at that saying, no swarms of flies. I'll be in their midst. And then he says, I will put a division. Everybody say division. I'll put a division between my people and your people. Okay, there's, there's often times when you go to the uh, same chapter, he talks about making a division between them. This word division here is, it's uh, translated differently. It's a unique word. It's, the word is paduth. And it's a, a Hebrew word that's only found in three other places. And you know what that word means? It means redeem. It means redeem. So right there where he's saying, I'm going to be in their midst, he is also saying, I am redeeming. You understand that a little bit? Because this is the power of the Lord. This is the power of our God. That he wants to tabernacle, be among us. And he wants to redeem us. He wants to deliver us, buy us back. And be the hope of the nations. Look it up further. We won't have time to spend a great deal of time right there. But look it up further. From Exodus chapter 8. When he says right there that I'm putting a division between my people. And your people. What he's really saying is I'm in their midst right now. And I am redeeming them. I'm buying back my people. We got to hold to a pattern. 
But we don't want the enemy to know more about the power of that pattern than we do, do we? We don't. We don't want the enemy to be more confident in the standard and power and pattern from his word than we do. Let's get convinced. Come on, y'all want to get convinced? Let's go to Exodus 25. Exodus chapter 25. Oh, this is a lot of fun, isn't it, church? To, to read and examine. And I promise you, we're going to go through some scriptures. But you know, I hope you know where I'm heading. I hope you know where I'm heading. I'm heading to Nehemiah. I'm heading to the place where the Lord has been in a very timely fashion feeding this body. Very timely fashion. I may be uh, a little bit ignorant to some of the battles, but I'm in the know on some of the battles. Because I want to pray for you guys. And we know what it's like. To be in the midst of trying to walk out what he's showing us to walk out and have everything come against it. Just keep, keep stacking stones. Watch what happens. Just keep stacking stones. Exodus chapter 25. Uh, we're going somewhere. Everybody feeling fresh? Just tell me you're fresh. Amen. Amen. Uh, 25 of Exodus. Is that what I said? Yes. Okay, yep, got it right here. Let them construct a sanctuary for who? For me. I know you're saying God, yeah. Capital M-E. That'd be God. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Okay? I read that too many times in my life. Not realizing the, just the real simple and powerful beauty of what the God of the universe was presenting to me. You build this tabernacle. You construct it so that I can dwell among them. He's got a heart to be with us. According to all that I'm going to show you. You ready? We're jumping into the pattern a little bit. Okay. According to all that I'm going to show you. That implies that he's getting ready to show him something, right? Everything I show you. According to that pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of its furniture, just so you construct it. Okay? As the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furniture. How much? Just so you shall construct it. Do it this way. There is no negotiation. Do it this way. You want to make a cake my way? Three eggs is required. You use two, you're out of line. You use four, you're out of line. He doesn't need from us any more than what he asks, and he definitely don't want any less. Do it this way. So I go to 40. Verse 40 ends that chapter of 25. See that you make them after the pattern. Somebody say, after the pattern. Which was shown to you on the mountain. He's saying, I'm going to show you a pattern. Essentially, I'll show you the way. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to give it to you. 
There's several different ways we could look at the pattern or the law or the way in which he gives it to us. And some choose to take the route of bondage and, oh man, I'm all shackled up. And I had some years like that and it broke off. It's freedom. It's freedom. He's giving this to us to free us. Oh, it was for freedom that he set us free. Thank you, Jesus, for that freedom. He's given us a pattern. He's saying, you're going to construct it just like this. There's a reason he was to do it just like that. We'll, we'll read that from Hebrews 8. But you do it just like this. In light of a passage like that we just read. Go to Romans with me real quick. For some reason, Romans 12 always comes to mind when I read this. And maybe because I memorized it in a version that actually had the word pattern in it. I'm not sure. But I can't read that. That diligence to a pattern. You know, you and I will conform to some pattern or another, right? Some pattern or another is going to get us. Uh, the world makes a presentation of a pattern. And there are facets that they, it can trick us into making it look good. I've always ended up very sad and broken trying it that way. The Lord has never left me stranded. He's never left me alone. These guys played my favorite song today on the stage. Never, when I walked in, he said, we're playing uh, Never Going Back. And I knew you did that for me. <laughs> I knew it. And thank you. Uh, that means a lot. Romans chapter 12. He's thinking, I didn't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that compliment. It's a good word, a good worship set. My friends, I loved it. Look at verse 12 of Romans. I said, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Why? Be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove. Somebody say prove. prove. You want to prove it, right? You want to prove it. Hold to the pattern that he has set before us by the transforming of our mind that we may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. You and I will conform to a pattern. And uh, here's the real reality. You're going to eat the fruit of that pattern. You'll eat the fruit of the pattern. That you conform to. Anybody had empty broken. Heart lost seasons. Because you were conforming to a wrong pattern. That should be widespread. But I wonder if any of us are right now experiencing hurt or brokenness or loss because we're still conforming to a pattern. He's still consecrating my life. So definitely don't be ashamed to identify with that second one if it's you. Don't hide behind anything. I get to new thresholds in my life where I'm inclined to think a number of different ways. And I'm challenged by his words that if I will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll take care of the everything else. I'm challenged by it at every threshold, at every season of life. 
that the Lord would bring about a revelation that would help us maintain the pattern on the battlefield. In the heat of it all, that you don't waver. We're less inclined to waver at the amusement park, so to speak, right? We're more inclined to waver in the heat of war. We're going to see about the diligence it takes to walk according to that way. That's what we're moving towards. Everybody tracking with me? Why hold to the pattern? Here we go. Hebrews chapter number 8. We're going to uh, go through some of these a little bit quick because uh, I'd like to camp out in Nehemiah a while. Anybody fine with that? Man, Nehemiah has been feeding the arising church, and I love it. I love it. My, uh, I have a son named Nehemiah, so I shout the word Nehemiah a lot in my house. Uh, he, he climbs every cabinet and every refrigerator. We only have one, he, the refrigerator. He climbs everything. Uh, hopefully, prayerfully, we're raising a rebuilder of the wall, right? But I say the word Nehemiah a lot. Um, where did I say to go? Uh, uh, Hebrews 8. Okay, Hebrews chapter 8. That's right. There we go. Come on with it. Uh, now, if he were on the earth, uh, he would not be a priest at all since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law who serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. Okay, so what we're talking about, the law or the tabernacle or uh, the temples or, hey, who's the temple of God now? Why should we be diligent with the pattern? Why? Because we are supposed to be the reflection of that which is in heaven. The, the shadow, the copy, the Lord saying that which is in heaven on earth. That which is in heaven here. So understanding that makes a little more sense why there's chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter in the book of Exodus from God to Moses in a cloud saying this way. The curtains will look like this. The rods will look like this. This metal will be on the outer, uh, the outer court. These metals will be on the inner court. He's, he's diligent. He's going about this. They say, you will construct it just like this. And I, I, I look at the anointed craftsman who did that and wondered the weight they must have possessed to look at those blueprints. Okay? We got some in here building houses, right? And they're, they're looking at blueprints, but uh, they may be off a little bit. Okay? The house is still going to be good. And if that house builder is in here, I bet they're right on. I bet they're right on time. But here... The diligence, because we're not talking about something. You ever been out with your kids? Like, you better behave because my, my, my daddy ship is on the line. Or my, my mom and dad, we're, 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 you're representing how good we're doing in our home. Please be a good boy and girl. And, and they are. I have six children. Many of you have met them. And they, they do a fine job. I love each and every one of them. And you go, how much more that we're a reflection of the heavens. How much more. That what he's given. He tell Moses. Uh, here it's like. Moses was. Warned. Yep. Same thing on the board. Moses was warned. Well when you give somebody a warning. Back to the kid illustration. We're in the car. We're pulling up to somebody's house. Now I'm telling you. You, you use your manners. Yes ma'am. Yes sir. No ma'am. No sir. And no running in the house. 
That's usually the top three. Okay? And, and you're doing that. You're, giving, you're speaking that as a warning. Do this because you reflect who we are as a mom and dad. And you reflect Jesus, right? Think of the weight of this. He's saying, you're going to do it just according to the pattern because this is a reflection of heaven. This is what I have established in heaven that I'm bringing to the earth. That's got to be weighty. That's got to sit on us in a good weight. A weight that says, I want to do right by holding to the pattern. Our marriages depend on it. How many married people we got in the room? Man, our homes depend on us walking according to the pattern. How many are raising children in this room? That generation depends on us walking His way. How many disciples in the room? Your life depends on walking according to the way. If somebody were to classify our life and they had no idea the term Christian, they just knew Jesus, would they say, you look like that man. Your life, you talk like that. You act like that. And the only thing they would be able to label you is as somebody who follows that way. And you take from, from the Apostle Paul on, the, uh, um, on that road, his eyes are open to, to several other times in the book of Acts where the word the way is mentioned. It's because there's such threats being breathed against the way. Why? Because the enemy is terrified of the pattern. He's terrified of the standard. He's terrified of the Son of God. Who has come to set things in right order. And especially when he comes. The rest will he set in order when he comes. If we're looking at this really quick. Uh, occurring since the beginning. What happens in Genesis chapter 6. And you have the fall of man. Then you have the corruption of man. And the enemy storms on the scene. To mess with God's creation. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. Uh, my brother's preaching on this today. You guys, if it pops up on the internet somewhere, hopefully you have time to listen to it. He called it the golden calf effect. Uh, as opposed to the butterfly effect. The golden calf effect. And you picture uh, uh, a cameraman panning from... Uh, Moses up on the mountain in the cloud with the God getting the instructions to hold to the pattern because it would be a reflection of that which is in the heavens. And you pan down the mountain and there's war because darkness is coming against light. And they're building up a little golden calf or a big one. You think of Exodus 32 and the golden calf. What about Matthew 4? Jesus is getting ready to begin that earthly ministry. He's fasted and prayed for 40 days. Who comes at the end of that? The enemy. Coming against the way. Coming against the pattern. So we're, we're rebuilding what was broken, right? In the book of Nehemiah. That's what, that's what our church body right here is doing. Is that correct? Has it been speaking to anybody? Somebody tell me if your life's been changed by what you've learned from Nehemiah so far. Okay, well, we was praying with the deacons and elders, and uh, a word came forth, which was, we're not just going to maintain, we're going forward today. We're not just going to weather the storm today because all the pastors are gone, right? We're going to go forward. So somebody tell me you want to go forward even more 
All right. Just a couple. I give you time. Come on. Think about it. Who wants to go forward even more? Come on, more. Let us go forward. Let us go forward. Uh, listen, so much of the conversations I've had with y'all have just helped build this sermon, so thank you. Miss Brenda is sitting there just talking with her. Only got a few minutes. Um, go to Philippians chapter 2. We were talking just for a few minutes in the house. You say, what pattern? What are you talking about a pattern? What are you talking about? I've, I've made blue jeans. I've made shirts. I've made sidewalks and houses. I know about a pattern. What's the pattern of the Bible? Look at the, look at the way in which he outlines for us. His commandments, his ways. To love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. To humble yourself. To Hey, you want to gain your life? Lose it. You want to gain your life? Then give it away. What's the pattern? It's, it's over and over. And uh, it's easier to say what it's not. It's nothing that the world says. Everything the world says, it's completely contrary to it. I mean, how do you like that? You want to you wanna win your life? Give it away. You want to win your life? Give it away. Well, let's go to Philippians 2 and read real quick. Philippians chapter 2, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one pur uh, purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interest of others. Verse 5 is really where I wanted to begin. You ready? Have this attitude in you, which was in Christ Jesus. If we could take and summarize what I am hoping to display by pattern, besides the fact that we'd have to run from Genesis to Revelation to fully see them all, it's kind of encompassed in Philippians chapter 2. He existed in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. And he being made, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What's the pattern? It is to surrender. To what he has shown us. To submit to this way. Regardless of how not so good it seems to be going. You don't think he's going to test us a little bit to find out what's in our heart? It's the consistency to what he says. There's been times in my life where. Many times in my life where. Something will arise and your, my first inclination is to cling to some kind of knowledge or intellect that I have in and of myself. And it destroys me. Destroys me. And you go back to what he's shown us. That if we worship him, he'll set us free. That if we surrender to him, he'll set us free. That if we commit our way to him, he'll set us free. 
If we'll confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. He's given us the way. I wonder if he's just stirring us deeper into the pattern. I want to I read this, and we're heading to Nehemiah. And, and we're only breaking at the end to read a couple things from the Newer Testament. And maybe Ezra, and then maybe Hebrews again. <laughs> but that would be it, I promise. Okay? I know. I don't know what time it is. I've seen some folks slipping out, but I guess just... Uh, okay. Okay, yeah. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So I wanted to do this statement right here. Sip of water. I always want to say this. You ready? I do. I feel like I'm just with family. Let the commitment to the pattern that is set before us lead us to a commitment to walking out this walk in a manner that is worthy of the call. That's what I really felt prompt to just get at. Is if we can be so devoted and committed to the pattern and the standard that he has set. It gives us this fire of confidence to withstand against all the forces of hell that have come against him. Okay. Anybody need that confidence? Come on, anybody going through any kind of a battle where you're like, okay, this now I've arrived at a battle that's making me, you know, whatever, a little bit. Do you need a little confidence this morning? I do. I'm preaching to Zeke. And I'm preaching to a rising church. And I'm preaching to, to whoever gets to hear this one day or someday that is in the midst of a fight. And he's saying, I don't know if I got what it takes to rise up and take on this fight. You do. And it comes from holding to the standard, holding to the way, holding to the pattern. Because we'll see it as we get to the book of Nehemiah. Let's go there now. Book of Nehemiah. How many weeks have y'all been there? Seven weeks. Yes. I, I like it. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 10, something is said. Now, the... The, the wording, the terminology, the phrases are always, always there. They're committing themselves to his way. They're being diligent. And in fact, let's just flip back and you can read about Ezra. Uh, how he's committed in this fashion. Ezra chapter 7. I, I love this. It's just why I'm reading it real quick. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Ezra set his heart. Somebody say, set his heart. He's setting, he's setting his heart to a pattern. He's setting his heart to a way. Something that has been tried and found true. That's his word. The word of the Lord has been tested and found true. So he says, he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. Study the law of the Lord. Anybody like the law of the Lord? Who loves the law of the Lord? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Has anything changed? No. We delight in the law of the Lord. We delight in the Son who has come to set us free. We delight in the blood of Jesus who's come to make all things new. 
we delight in the law. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Was with God. The Word was God. You can't separate what's one. You can't do it. The funny question from children, you know, at creation, was Jesus there? Well, you're asking a pretty heavy question, but if we're, if we're full-blown believers that the three are one, and he, he wasn't born in the flesh yet, but in some capacity, they were there. The Word, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We don't have to pick apart what's good. It's all good. The Son has come to set us free. And his word is giving us that life. So Ezra, come on. He set in his heart to study the law of the Lord, to practice the law of the Lord, to teach his statutes or ways or ordinances in Israel. He set his heart to do those things. Sorry for that little rabbit trail. Just thought it was, was worth mentioning. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 10. You guys were still in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse number 28. All right, here we go. I'm excited about this. Okay? Getting pretty excited. All right, Nehemiah chapter number 10, verse 28. Rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, gatekeepers, singers, uh, the temple servants, all those who had separated themselves from the people of the land to the what? They separated themselves to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters. Somebody say, I'm taking my family with me. And all those who had knowledge and understanding are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles. They're taking on themselves this oath to walk in the law of God, which was given through Moses, God's servant, to keep and observe the commandments of our God and his ordinances and his statutes. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 13. I read that to say there was a group that set themselves apart just like Nehemiah, just like the Lord's asking us to do by coming under the covering of his blood. This everything perfected at the coming of the Messiah. The, the one Who's come to make all things new. The spotless blood of the lamb. And you and I have the, the privilege to walk under that blood covenant. As adopted sons and daughters. At least I'm an adopted son and daughter. Grafted into this family. Where I get the right to say Abba Father. The right to be called the sons and daughters of God. Because he took us in. What a pattern he has set for us. I really just want to flip here, but I got to wait. Because I told you I was going to go to Nehemiah. But I hope you know where I'm going at the end. By the repetition of the word, the way. Nobody say it because we're going to go there. But it's in John 14. And think of what he's saying in light of. Think of think of it falling on the ears of of a, of a religious leader. 
And think, it, think, think about it falling upon the ear of one who's looking at him like, this is the one who's spoken of. This is it. And then think of it sitting here in Crystal Lake with the, with the world in desperate need of the love of the Savior coming forth through us. Let's bring it to 2019, if you will. So Numbers 13. Y'all ready? ready to go? Let's just go to uh, verse number 4, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read. I kind of compartmentalize these into four different uh, sections or categories. Uh, so Numbers 13, we're going to look at 1 through 8, then 10 through 11, then 15 through 22, then 23 through 31. Uh, don't let that scare you in terms of time because they're all kind of going to crash together. Um, but listen, uh, at verse, we won't read um, uh, 1 through uh, uh, 3. Let's go straight to 4. Now, prior to this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him where formerly, somebody say formerly. Okay, formerly they, they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, the tithes of grain, the wine, the oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. Okay, that's what it was used for. Formerly, what have they done? They've, they've kicked out that stuff and they've brought in not so good stuff. Okay. Look at what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah is out of town. During all this time, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I'd gone to the king. And after some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and I learned about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing room for him. In the courts of the house of God. Verse 8. This displeased me very much. You know you're in trouble when somebody looks at you and says, this displeases me very much. Nehemiah comes in and he says, I'm not happy. It was very displeasing to me. So something resulted through all this Household goods out of the room. Hopefully nobody in here has ever had your stuff thrown out in the front yard. But if you have seen it on a television show, you know what I'm talking about a little bit. You're kicked out. Mom has kicked you out because you're acting a fool. And your stuff's laid out in the yard. How does it make you feel? Rejected. Nehemiah's coming in and he says, get it out. Because this isn't the way he said it. This isn't according to the pattern. Say, Nehemiah, wow. Come on. He says, then I gave an order to cleanse the rooms. And I returned the utensils to the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. We'll go through all four quickly and then come back and just bring them all together. You guys tracking with me so far? Do I have some interest in here, right? Nehemiah is coming back. He's observing a betrayal of the pattern. And he's bringing it back. 
point in case is we set a standard and then we got to refresh and continue to hold to that pattern because the enemy's coming against it. So we have to hold the line, hold the pattern because he's warring against it. And Nehemiah comes back in town and he says, no, you don't. We've rebuilt and you're not coming in and doing this. Setting things in right order. Look at verse 10. This little section. The tithes are restored. He's, Nehemiah also discovers that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. The singers who performed the service. They had gone away each to their own field. They hadn't been given that portion of tithes. Look at verse 11. So I reprimanded. Somebody say reprimand. So the, the words we're building up here are. I was displeased. I threw his stuff out of the house. And then I ordered there to be a cleansing. The next is I discovered that they weren't appropriately dealing with uh, what was stored. And so he says, I reprimanded them. He says, this is equating to a forsaking of the house of God. And then he gathers together those that can perform the task. You're down to verse 15. In those days, he, sees in he saw in Judah some were treading winepress on the Sabbath and bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys as well as wine and grapes and figs and all these other things. And he restores the Sabbath. And in verse 23, intermarrying, doing marriages that were forbidden by God. And he goes and says, he saw the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. As for their children... Half spoke the language of Ashdod and none of them were able to speak the language of Judah. But the language of his own people. In verse 25, you ready for some more aggressive terminology? I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made them swear by God. That you won't do this ever again. We have him being displeased and eradicating idolatry. We have him setting the misuse of tithes or the Sabbath in right order. We have marriages that were forbidden. And he comes back in town and he contends with this. He curses the idea that this has happened. He cursed them. He struck them. He pulled out their hair. And made them swear by God. You shall not give your daughters. To their sons. Or take their daughters. For your sons. And we come through Nehemiah. Chapter 13. And we see. A man. Who's committed to a pattern. And the commitment. To the way of the Lord prompts a fire within you to get it right. It's what prompts that fire. How can we read this and think we'd even survive a single day in our land doing this? If we went around Crystal Lake or Gainesville or wherever and we did this, how would we survive a day? 
And as I'm asking myself that question, I hear the Spirit really nudge me concerning a very simple reality. Execute Numbers chapter 13 on yourself. You are the temple of God. Now, yes, we go out. We stand for righteousness. We will speak uprightly of who God is always. But if your inclination in reading some of this was like mine at first and think, oh, yeah, well, I'll go up in this place, this place, this place. Say, uh, throw the stuff out in the street. That temple. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Just uh, tie that in a little bit. Everybody tracking with me? Let's start with ourselves. Let's start with ourselves. Watch what it does to our body. Because we need it over and over. From one battle to the next. Holding to the pattern. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwells in you. Why the diligence to the pattern. Concerning the condition of my own life first. Because I'm the temple of God. He doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. He dwells in the hearts of men. Why the diligence to the cleansing of this temple? To the refinement, to the consecration, to all of those things? Because that's our battle strategy. That's how we get victorious. That's how we stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. We hold to the standard. This church is acquainted with the persecution that comes from walking out his way. Are you not? And I, I'm honored and proud to stand here to tell you what an encouragement it is to me. To our body. To, to encourage you that that stance doesn't just manifest itself in an evangelistic fashion to Crystal Lake and the surrounding area. It manifests itself in Virginia and Texas and Peru and all over the world. You say, wow, you, you're thinking pretty big. No, I'm not. The Lord is doing this. And, and you, can, you can see as a body, you posture yourself towards something. We're building something and something's going to come against us, right? Something's going to set its eye against us. Just hold to the pattern. Just do what he says to do. In every facet of your life. That every home in here would be shaped by the standard set in the word. That every relationship in here is shaped by the standard set in the word. Because you've built a mighty wall. And there's more yet that you're building. And the gates of hell will not somebody say it with me prevail against you come on you believe that come on say the gates of hell will not prevail against me so i asked myself that question in reading some of that we got we got some face smashing some hair pulling out some throwing some uh things out of the house we got a lot of stuff going on that looks a bit over the top or a bit overwhelming or uh a bit like wow you 
really think you have to act like that with regards to the things that are inside of me that have no place there because they're not according to the pattern. Yes, I must act with that kind of aggression. Unequivocally, that kind of aggression. When I sense the pride, when I sense the anger, when I sense the bitterness, when I sense anything like that, I attack it Nehemiah 13 style. I attack it Nehemiah 13 style. He comes back in town. He finds out things were a little bit aloof and he gets to restoring. Have you been out of town lately with regards to the, with the, uh, the taking care of your temple? And that's not a condemning statement. My goodness, if there's anyone in this room who would say, Zeke, I've been out of town and I'm crushed tonight, uh, this morning. Today is the day. Today is the day. And a single move towards an altar will radically change your life. What's that pattern? When you first walk in the tabernacle, there's the altar. What do you do at an altar? You sacrifice. But you also offer. And you get to that bronze laver. He's, he washes us. And then you enter in the bread of his presence. And the altar of incense. The candles are burning. And right there, the holy of holies. The veil torn. Because of Jesus' sacrifice. The spirit literally descended. To be within us. Why? Because all along, his plan has been to be within and among and amidst and with his people. He's never diverted from his plan. Ever. Real question is, will you grab hold of it and hold on to it, knowing that it is indeed a victorious battle plan? It is the battle plan of all battle plans. What's your strategy? Oh, Hear from the Lord and do exactly what he says. Hear from the Lord and do exactly what he says. What's your battle plan? Hear from the word. Do exactly what it says. To a T. Doesn't matter. There are no exceptions to the rule ever anywhere with regards to obedience to his word. I'm going to read a couple simple scriptures from Tim Tim Timothy. A little stutter there. A little dry mouth. I'll take a break while you go to Timothy. I'm back. I'm back. First Timothy chapter number one. Hey, why the pattern? Because we're reflecting heaven. Somebody say, I'm supposed to reflect heaven. I'm supposed to reflect heaven. And why the pattern? Because hopefully some iron can sharpen iron. And you can set an example that'll make somebody want to follow. And I can set an example that'll make someone want to follow. And I can set an example that my kids will want to look up to. You know how many uh, services I've been to? Where mighty men of God have stood up there and said that they ran from the Lord for so many years. Because they saw something in their father on a pulpit on a Sunday that they didn't see at home the rest of the week. That makes me go home and make sure everything's perfectly aligned. You say, what are you telling us? You're a hypocrite? No, I'm pretty much the same everywhere you see me. What I'm getting at is I want to make sure that the closest people to me in my life know that every facet of who this man is, whether I'm up on a stage, which extremely nerves me, or I'm down sitting amongst the crowd where I'm much more comfortable, that they know, that they know, that they know that I radically love Jesus, 
that I am faithfully committed to his way. And that I've always watched him be victorious on behalf of my family, this, uh, my church, this church, his church. We've always seen him victorious because we just held to his way. And in holding to his way, I've watched him heal. Completely heal. Some things arise as, as pastors, elders, leaders, you know it. Where you're like, okay, I got to take care of this right now. And you just run on about it your way. To which I find out I have uh, made mistakes. And I got to go back and say, Lord, I, I unknowingly did this wrong. But you taught me something. You taught me to trust the pattern. And so, if I will humble myself, pray, and turn from my wicked ways, you'll heal this. Trust the, trust the standard. Trust the standard. Trust the standard. First Timothy, I'm reading of chapter 1 and verse number 16. 1 Timothy 1.16. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example or pattern. So he could demonstrate his perfect patience as a pattern for those who would not believe in him for eternal life. If we walk in the pattern that he set, we get to walk in victory. It's going to make the world take notice. Because eventually, thinking back to myself, eventually I looked in the mirror and thought, this way, this way that I'm committing to, little W-A-Y, it's shredding me. I saw the victory of the others who were committed to the way. And I thought, that's worth, that's worth following. Simple as that. It's the life of a faithful follower who shows the way to the next person. What if we went to 2 Timothy chapter 1? 2 Timothy chapter 1. I go here in verse 13. Retain the standard or pattern. Retain the pattern of sound words which you heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Why hold to the pattern? Because you can be an example for others. Both the lost and the redeemed. We're thinking of Hebrews 8 again. We're thinking, why hold to the pattern? Because your life as a temple of the living God is supposed to be a very reflection, a very shadow, a very picture of the heavens. And lastly, we'll go here to John chapter 14. All right, so tell me I still got some excited saints of God in here. Come on. Because I, you know, I've really just talked all this stuff to get right here. And I'm being facetious. Every bit of that was, I believe, from the throne room. I prayed and I've fasted. And I've asked God to speak to this body. In accordance to what he's already been doing and showing in each and every one of you. And you're building something, church. And it's his legacy. It's his name. And I'm saying just keep holding to the standard.
It doesn't matter what they, as in they, I mean all the powers of hell. It doesn't matter what they have to throw at you. Hold to the standard like you're doing and watch. To an individual, hold to the standard in your life that is set. Watch. To the, to the, to the husbands and wives, if you're in the midst of a battle, hold to the standard. And watch what he does. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He buys back everything the enemy sought to steal. He restores to a condition that's better than it was before. Let's hold on to that as husbands and wives. To our children. That if we hold to what he's shown us to do. When they get old, they will not depart from it in Jesus' name. Because he's shown us the way. All he wants us to do is walk in it in faith. I'm going to read 1 through 6 because... This could be one of the favorite things I've ever had the privilege to read. And it prompts something in my gut that makes me happy. It makes me thankful. It makes me rejoice. We're undeserving. And he, he loved us enough to send his son. He's continuing in the way. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, come on, church, if this doesn't make you jump up and shout, Wow, listen what he's saying. From, from cover to cover, and we've, we've run straight face to face to the Son of God who's come to make all things new. To wash us, to redeem us, to be among us, to send his spirit to reside within us. And he says to Thomas, who asked maybe a dumb question or maybe a good question. I'm kind of glad he asked it because I love reading John 14, 6. And if he never asked the question, I'd never have gotten to shout John 14, 6 from this great family of God in Crystal Lake, Illinois. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And here he is, the way, the pattern, the one. It's why we go back to Philippians 2 for every ounce of direction and strength we need. Because as I was talking about to Miss Brenda, who I've gotten the privilege to know her entire family and her sons and daughter uh, very well. What is that one component that must always be a mainstay so that we can walk this walk? Faithfully and humbly and lowly, yet as a son, as a daughter. 
and it's serve. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The way is Jesus because he embodies everything from the law, the prophets, the writings, all the way down to it. He embodies it all. And he set before us the way. That sacrificial lifestyle that might cause your family to disown you, I don't know. That kind of raw faith that may cause you to make decisions that other people don't make, I don't know. But you hear from the Lord through his word and through covering, through pastors, through leaders, through brothers, through sisters, through community. Through worship, all of these things. He's shown us the way. And Jesus exemplifies it to the fullest. How do we crush the head of the serpent? He did it. But he didn't consider, him, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. There's your pattern. Keep dying to yourself. You say, all this and there's no more to it than that? Nope. We've made it. Give it all away. And the most liberation I ever felt in my life is when I gave my life and I said, I am done. Jesus, I'm, I'm yours. I'm yours. Forget it. I belong to you. So why the Nehemiah 13? They're coming back into town because... At many different junctions and seasons in my life. In other words, every day. <laughs> I have to hold to the pattern. I have to cling to it. Pastoral decisions. Things like all these things come up. There's a number of different ways I can go. I know what's gotten me right here to this place called freedom. I'm not going to waver. So every different season that's in this room. Every different season that makes up this body. You've, you've held to the pattern and you've watched the walls go up. Hold to the pattern that the temple might remain in the, in, the, in the shape that he desires it to be in. Which is Romans chapter 12. Bodies presented, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Why can you be confident? Because it's not about you, it's about him. Boy, don't they give you some confidence? You get a little aggressive because you're not holding your opinion. You know, politicians get aggressive because they're holding to their opinions. Christians get aggressive because we're holding to God's standard. But that aggression is manifested to yourself. <laughs> when I'm out in the town center, my aggression is shown through my tears and my brokenness. Over the, over the hurt that they're encountering. Not a, not a bop you over the head. Get saved boy. But a demonstration. I was a broken life. And I just want to share with you. This Jesus set me free. That pattern. But Nehemiah 13 yourself. First. And watch him. Keep doing that revival work. He's doing in this place. Saints, I, I love this body. And I, I, I hope that the word of the Lord has stirred 
and encouraged you in a capacity that causes you to come up out of your seat and respond to an altar call that goes like this. Go out into the world and operate according to the pattern that is set before us. Now, I'm not saying there's no altar call after the service. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I'm saying to the bulk of the folks in this room, the altar call is, I'm going to stand up on my feet. And I'm going to exit these doors. And I'm going to enter the mission field. Knowing I'm going to be victorious. In Jesus' name. Because I'm going to hold to the way. The truth and the life. Because there's no way to the Father. Except that way. Um, in closing. As, and this is a side note. Um, just for this group. You know. Maybe to be edited off or I can uh, unplug here. I, I just want to have a non-musical altar call. I'm not sure how these close. I didn't ask that. But um, if you're in this room and you have that sense within you that a, a significant drifting from the heart of the Father has occurred, and you feel a stirring to return to the arms of the Redeemer. Uh, just find me right. I'm going to stand right in this spot. I'm speaking to, I realize, maybe a specific small number of people. Because it's just burdening my heart with relation to uh, how we began our worship service. That, that, that washing that he brings... He, he's wanting to bring that to you. He's saying, son or daughter, come home. That's what he's saying. Come home. There's no condemnation. I'm going to put my best robe on you. I'm going to put my ring on you. But come home. That return to the pattern. For most in this room, I realize it's, a, it's an encouragement to uphold the pattern. But if there's that one or two or whatever who says, I must return to the pattern, I'm specifically speaking to your heart, saying that the word of the Father is to come unto me, and I'll give you that rest that you've been looking for. Come to me and receive that rest. Father God, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you have made the way. And we rest in knowing, Father, that if we'll stay committed to that pattern. That we will stomp the head of the enemy. Starting with our own lives and then out into the world all around us. So, Father, for those in here just stirred to continue to uphold the pattern, I thank you for that within the body of a rising church. And I pray for that continued unleashing of that revival fire in this place. Lord, and to those who may be in this place, and there is a significant weight on them to return 
to that standard that they may have once known or may have never known. God, let it be this day that they posture their hearts to come home to the Father. We love you and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.